there's a beautiful thing about motherhood and the way that it connects moms from different cultures, ethnicities, uh, countries. We connect in a completely beautiful, supernatural way because of motherhood and the way we have that in common with each other. And I have seen this week as I've been on Instagram, watching different moms specifically share how their hearts are breaking for the moms in Afghanistan and for the families there and the women and the children and all that they are going through that. I just began praying that God would give me a way to be able to do something, which I think is what I've been seeing from everyone. What can we do? How can we help? It feels so helpless being in a different place and seeing people who are hurting and feeling that there's nothing you can do. So I have an incredible conversation prepared for us today with a friend who was a foreign aid worker there and is going to just paint a picture for us of what it looked like to actually live in Afghanistan amongst the people in their culture, in their homes. What are the people like there? And then going into the conversation of what can we do right now to make a difference for the people in the midst of these tragic times. So I'm so glad you can be here with us for this conversation today. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is such an important topic, and I am so thankful that you're willing to be here with us. So I know that you had a very different experience in Afghanistan than what's going on right now, and that you have such a clear picture of what it looked like to live there and be there and breathe and be amongst the people. And I would love it if we could just start out by you painting a picture for us. What does it look like or what did it look like for the past 20 years to be in Afghanistan in the midst of the people in their daily lives? Sure. So my family was in Afghanistan in 2017. So a few years ago, and I think for us, when I was thinking about this. And when I think about Afghan people, the words that come to mind are warmth and kindness and hospitality in terms of just the way that we were personally welcomed with such kindness and graciousness and love by the Afghan people who we were involved with. Um, I think life over the past 20 years for Afghans has certainly had its pockets of violence, um, but certainly not the way that we're seeing now with the uncertainty and not knowing what's coming. Um, I think we lived in Kabul, the capital city. And so the, especially being in a city, the people tended to be a little more progressive there than they would have been in some of the villages um, where people may have been more conservative. And so in Kabul, um, men and women alike could go to school and go to work and carry out their lives. Um, women could travel uh, they wouldn't drive typically, but they would be able to ride on public transportation or walk around the city. 
um, a woman would have needed to wear a headscarf. I wore a headscarf when I was there, um, but still able to see your face and able to wear um, modest, but more typical clothing. Uh, some women may have chosen still to wear a burqa, which is what you may think of when you think of Afghanistan, the full head to toe covering, or even the eyes are only kind of visible through like a screen. Um, but most women weren't wearing that in Kabul. Um, and so there was generally, I think, a sense of normalcy that obviously is very much changing at this point. Mm. And what did, what did education look like when you were there for the families or for children? So kids were going to school. I mean, a lot of opportunities. We had a house helper um, who came and helped us with some chores around the house, which is a typical thing to do there. Um, and she was a student at the university there, um, you know, was coming to work for us to make some money to cover some of her school expenses, but was going to university and studying. And that was, especially in, in the capital, that was possible and normal for them. As a girl too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot different than at other times. Um, although historically way back in the past fifties and sixties, that was the case, but it's been a long time since that had been possible prior to the past 20 years. Yeah. So that has not always been the case in America. I mean, women have always been able to be educated because then it, and it completely directs the entire trajectory of the rest of your life. When you have the opportunity to be able to read and write and and even do further education. But historically in Afghanistan, women have not always had that privilege, right? Correct. Yeah. And I'm, my understanding is that one of the concerns um, with the current circumstances is that <clears throat> education could be one of the things that's quickly repealed for women. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think in general, obviously things are so uncertain and happening so quickly mm -hmm. right now that I think that there are statements being made that they're going to be able to continue. I think most people are just looking, hopefully, um, hoping maybe things will change, but a little maybe skeptical of what it's going to look like for education for women, which is sad, obviously very yeah. sad. Yeah. Cause it could, I mean, it would completely change their entire lives and yeah. The work they were able to do or not. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of women who have over the past 20 years gained education and had professional lives and it all, obviously that's one thing that we need to pray about is just what is that going to look like for them? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the moms because I think we think about mom life here in America. And I think that's one of the reasons that our hearts, so many moms I've been seeing their hearts just going out like in breaking for the current circumstances is thinking about how powerless the moms must feel. And I mean, we, God has given us such a mama bear instinct just to protect our children and to provide for them that if feeling like that would be out of control would feel so very helpless mm -hmm. as a mom. So when you were there, what did life look like for a mom in Afghanistan? I mean, I think parenthood is an interesting thing because it does seem to be a unifying factor around the world that we might parent in different ways and have different, you know, ways that we discipline or ways that we do things. But obviously the love that a parent has for their child, that a mom has for their child is going to be the same wherever you are. And so, I mean, a lot of similarities, obviously, I mean, Afghanistan has obviously had a lot of poverty. Um, and so certainly 
struggles to make ends meet and to provide for their children, depending on the circumstance, but also women who were like, as we're talking about education, I mean, women who were in working or maybe had been working and now are home with their children. Um, yeah, I went to a neighbor's house once when we were there and it was, it was funny cause I didn't speak the language very well yet. I was with a friend who did speak it better. And um, it was interesting to be together and maybe things were a little uncertain at first. I'm a newcomer coming in. We don't you know, really know what we're doing. And I didn't have my children with me at this specific house. Um, but then a little boy that was the son of one of these women that I was meeting with, the little boy wanders in and it was like, oh, this unifying factor among all of us that, mm. oh yes, a little, a little kid that's a joy no matter where you are. Yes. I do think you're right. I think motherhood does connect us in a completely just different way that must be only by God, only by God's design. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. So t- kind that's kind of a nice picture of, of what it looked like when, when you were there. Um, how was it safety wise? Did it feel safe being there? Um, before we went, I was terrified. I mean, just completely uh, really felt the Lord's calling that this was what our family should be doing, but also very scared, obviously what you hear on the news and what we knew was reality. It's not just that the news was painting a picture that was inaccurate, but what, mm-hmm. what was really the case. Um, and, and obviously as Americans, we had a little bit of a different circumstance than an average Afghan person was that we're just in a different, you know, a different world in some ways um, than they are kind of both for better and worse in some of the security issues. Um, But while we were there, we were very safe. I mean, I never, we didn't personally experience anything. We took precautions and as an American woman, especially like I would not have, I didn't drive while I was there. I did try to make sure that my clothing was modest and that I was being gracious to the culture that I was in, Um, not to, flaunt anything and be like, oh, I'm an American. I don't have to follow any of your, you know, what your cultural norms are. Um, but yeah, I mean, we experienced safety. We had a, a home that did have the typical home that a more upper-class family is going to be in has, um, six or eight foot walls all the way around it. Um, kind of a compound we would call it, but in some parts of the world, a compound might be many houses all kind of protected by the same wall. And that wasn't the case, just a single home would be protected by that. And so we had a nice yard that our children could play in and um, enjoy. And I would go shopping for, at, they have like a local bazaar in every neighborhood where you can go and buy fresh fruit and vegetables. And when we were there was when um, pomegranates were in season. And so we got to go and pick out pomegranates that were fresh. Afghanistan is known for their pomegranates and um, just walk through the bazaar and be able to, um, yeah, just enjoy being there. I think for the average Afghan person, some of the violence and insecurity is just sort of also a part of life that it's Mm kind of like, well, it happens, Um, you know, just, after a while, you are maybe desensitized to it. Um, but for us, when we were there, we didn't experience anything. 
Okay. So you mentioned your kids. We haven't even talked about them yet. So you had four children mm-hmm. with you and your family yes. while you were there. How yes. um were they able to be friends and in relationship with the Afghan children while you lived there? A little bit. Um, again, we we weren't there for very long. I had some medical issues and had to move back to the United States. Um, but we did. I took so my kids were five two and then one year old twins at the time and so um my five-year-old did go with us to another neighbor's house different one than the other family I was talking about um and we kind of thought that we were just going my a friend of mine another American friend of mine had and said like we would love to come and visit your home that's a very 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 hospitable culture Um, and so that would be a normal thing to just go to your neighbor and say, Hey, we would love to have tea with you. So we kind of thought that we were just going like for tea and we arrived and it turns out that the family had a lot of their relatives, even from out of the country, were coming to visit the patriarch of the family and the matriarch are there. They're in like their eighties and they're kind of seated in the place of honor. Um, And we all sat, um, some people do have like a typical couch there, but the more common thing is called a toe shack and it's like floor pillows. Um, if anybody's heard of the nugget couch, you know, Uh that kids can play with, like you have all the pieces and stuff. It's actually really similar to a toe shack that you have like (laughs) a, a mat on the ground and then some pillows behind it. Um, and so we're seated on these toe shacks all around the room and then, there's a tablecloth get, that gets spread out called a desterhan, and um, all the food gets placed on there. So everybody's sitting. I, I sometimes envision it more like how Jesus would have eaten with his disciples, that they're seated on the ground. Um, so my daughter, my five-year-old, came to that and enjoyed trying the different foods. But this family was just so generous to us in, mm. in you know, welcoming us to have all of this delicious food that um, was kind of like holiday food for them. Um, Kabuli Palau, which is like the national dish of Afghanistan, um, and just a ton of delicious things, pomegranate juice, fresh squeezed mm. and everything. Um, anyways, so my five-year-old though did come with me to that. And I have a picture of us dressed in like our fanciest clothing and she wore like a Christmas dress, you know, a party dress to be respectful and everything. We took some candies and yeah, she sat with us and enjoyed the food, but then there were a lot of kids running around as, you know, like the cousins of this family you envision being at like a Thanksgiving celebration, all the cousins running around. And so sure enough, she was able to join with them and played she didn't speak Dari very well, but played. Um, and they ended up watching on somebody's phone, like Rapunzel. And it was like, Oh, that's a story that works for everybody. So, wow. Well, that's a beautiful picture that just gives me such a wonderful glimpse into imagining what it might have might be like being there as a family and just being present there. So I love that so much. So I'm sure that during all of the events of this past week, that your heart must have just broken in a completely different way that I think sometimes we, as American moms, try to put ourselves in other people's shoes to be able to care and be able to empathize because we, we really can't, I can't empathize with the pain that people are going through. I can sympathize. I can care, but I can't really feel it deeply in the way that I'm sure 
you have during this time. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what we can do because Mm -hmm. I've seen so many people just hurting and wanting to do something. It feels so helpless. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's give people some feet to this. The first thing that I have just keep coming back to over and over is that we have to pray Mm -hmm. and we have to give this to the Lord because we sometimes prayer can feel like such an inactive thing to do because we don't actually see anything happening. You know, if we're doing something like giving money to help, which we can do as well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But if we were giving money, we see the tangible act of money passing from my hand to this other hand to do good. And then I can feel really good about that, Mm -hmm. about me. But when I pray, there's a different element of trust Mm -hmm. that I have to trust I think about that verse that says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I have to pray and say, Lord, I am, I am going to trust you with this and believe that your eyes are in every place and that you are at work. You are not held captive by anyone. There are no boundaries to keep you out. You can never be taken out of a place because someone else comes in. Mm -hmm. Your light can be present anywhere. So I have to choose faith over a good feeling when I pray in belief Mm -hmm. that that's what God's called me to do. God did not put me in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I am not there right now. And I can't tangibly serve someone there in a way that my hands and feet might want to, but my prayers hold great weight as they're going before the King of heaven, Mm -hmm. who is not held captive by anything. Mm-hmm. And who has done supernatural works through all of history. I mean, we read mm-hmm. stories about, you think about just through reading the old Testament, you can read story after story of God's faithfulness, that there's no reason that we cannot be interceding on behalf of the people there for God to work in a mighty way. Mm-hmm. So, so praying, you want to talk more about that? Yeah, I think prayer is so valuable as I'm thinking of some of the people who I'm keeping in mind in prayer over the past week. I've been thinking obviously of the Afghans who have left the country or who are fleeing, Um, in particular, the people at the airport. I'm sure everybody's read and seen news stories about that. And that obviously for me has hit close to home because we've traveled through that airport and we know um, just the physical distance of the airport is significant that I've walked that several times with baggage. It's not like when you get dropped off at LAX and you just kind of stop into your ticket counter. It's a very long distance that people are are covering um, and trying to get through there. Um, thinking of Afghans who are remaining in the country, um, whether just by choice or not. Um, thinking of aid workers who many of them have left, but some of them are staying there. Mm-hmm. And also thinking of military veterans um, who I just can't imagine what this experience has been like for them, people who did serve in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I've been thinking about praying for also is praying specifically for the parents, thinking about parents who feel helpless during this time, praying Mm -hmm. that God will make himself so real to them as a heavenly father. And ultimately as the father of their children before, I mean, before we are the mother or our husbands are the father, he is first to them as their provider and creator and trusting them with him in a completely different way than they've had to before. Uh, I also know that 
I've heard many stories of God revealing himself to people through visions in the East Mm -hmm. that they don't have God's word in the way that we do present and available and thinking about praying that the Jesus will reveal himself, that the Lord will reveal himself through visions to people when they need him in a real way Mm -hmm. and make himself known. I think when things are very dark, that the light can be seen in such a brighter way and praying that he will make himself known as a light during this time that's so dark. And really thinking about praying as intercessory prayers, that there are times in life when we don't know what to pray Mm -hmm. and we don't know how to pray. But for us being distant, we can pray scriptures over people who are in a circumstance right now who don't know how to pray or don't know what to pray and praying that God will sustain them and that he will make their faith stronger and that he will give them, that he will be the God of comfort, that he will be the God of peace. Uh, I think about that passage in the old Testament where the Israelites are under attack and the army of the Lord is shown surrounding the camp. Mm -hmm. And I think about God's angels and praying for their surrounding the people who are not safe and that they will be a force to fight against the evil that would be attacking and just praying specifically for things, knowing that the Holy spirit prompts in us as believers, Mm -hmm. how we can be praying for people. So if you don't know what to pray, asking the Holy spirit, Holy spirit, guide me what to pray. My heart is open and I will lift these things up to you. And then trusting the Lord with that, that we're not meant to carry the burdens of the world. When I think about the difference of it's all, it's such a current thing that right now we see everything around the world that's happening Mm -hmm. and goodness. Okay. God's word tells us, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. will worry about itself. And I I think back to our conversation, just me and you, before we began this thinking about, okay, what's going to happen next? What are the next, what are the next circumstances and really concluding we don't know Mm -hmm. right now, but it's not our job as believers to know what's going to happen next. It's our job to put that in God's hands and trust him and do what he's put in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. And what he's put in front of us right now as moms, Christian moms who are listening to this is to be present for our family. Still, Mm -hmm. if we are so wrapped up in what's going on in the entire world Mm -hmm. that we cannot be a place of joy. I mean, you read in the beginning of James, even through suffering, there is joy, even through Mm -hmm. pain and hardships, we still can rest in a place of joy. If we're not resting in a joyful place in our home, in the midst of these tragedies that are going on in the world, then we are carrying a burden in a way that is not giving it back into the hands of God and not able to be a present mom. Mm -hmm. So when, when you find yourself getting out your phone to scroll and read another thing or read what someone else has said, or see if there's new pictures or new media coverage, I would challenge moms to take that that drive for more information to instead drive you to your knees in prayer and ask. And again, ask the Holy spirit, Lord, in this moment that I'm going to this place can bring into my heart what I need to pray for. 
mm-hmm. and pray for it and give it to the Lord and do what he's put in front of you, which most likely is to be raising your children in this moment is to be present with them and serving them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So prayer. Well, and, and I just want to add to that, that, um, in Islam, which most people in Afghanistan follow, there is not a concept of God being loving. Um, God is kind, but not loving. And so um, I think, and there also can be a very kind of fatalistic view that kind of, well, whatever happens is going to happen. Like without this sense of that we have as believers of thinking that we're interceding to a loving God. Um, And so I think as followers of Jesus, we have these two sides that we absolutely ought to be grieving deeply about the evil that's in our world. But, and it makes sense to have uncertainty about the future, but we also have that hope and trust in the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we can be praying. And that's how we can be taking action is not out of a sense of fear or uncertainty about what's happening, but saying like, I am loved by Christ. And Mm -hmm. that's what gives me the power to take action through prayer and through other ways. And I was a verse that's been in my mind a lot the past week is from Romans eight, that says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And so Mm -hmm. I think of that love being what motivates us specifically as Christian believers in a way that doesn't motivate the rest of the world, that we have this love of Christ. And that's what allows us to take that action in prayer and in practical steps too. Absolutely. And I just thought about the verse that says, from you talking about being hopeful, that verse that says, be joyful and hope patient in affliction Mm -hmm. and faithful in prayer. Mm -hmm. And if our, if our joy has been sucked out, then possibly our hope has been sucked out. And then we need to remember that we have our hope as an anchor Mm -hmm. and we need to go back to God's word Mm -hmm. rather than going to our phones Mm -hmm. to find our true hope again. So we can put it back in the hands of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? So we talked about, um, we talked about praying and what else would you say are other things that you would recommend that people could do right now? Okay. So the number one thing that I want people to walk away thinking about as they think about, okay, I've prayed, I've taken that action, but what else can I maybe do tangibly in the world is to welcome refugees to the United States that I think that our nation has a very sad recent history of not welcoming refugees. I think there's a lot of misinformation um, that especially after 9-11, there's been this sense, especially of refugees from the Muslim world of, well, how do we know that they're not terrorists? And if you dig into refugee policy, there's such a vast background checking and paperwork and everything that goes through that I think as Christians in America, we can welcome refugees um, in terms of our support of legislation that welcomes refugees, government policy that does, but also in terms of welcoming refugees within our community. And I think especially Muslims um, who visibly can often look different if you see a mom in a headscarf or a dad with a you know long beard or whatever, that's just part of their culture. Um, but for people to think about within their own communities, what can they be doing to welcome refugees? Whether that means simply if you see someone at the grocery store looking to give them a smile instead of a, you know, a scowl. Um, 
And what does that look like to look within your community, within your local church at what refugee mm -hmm. resettlement agencies are there? Um, a lot of communities um, here in Southern California where we are, there's several that are resettling refugees. And I know there's going to be an influx of Afghans coming to the United States um, as people are leaving many of whom were our military allies and helped in translating. And so to look at how can you support those organizations mm -hmm. um, financially or with your time as a volunteer or with donating. I know many times people are looking for donations of your dining room table that you're getting rid of to replace a new one instead of maybe dropping off your table at Goodwill. Maybe it could go to a refugee family instead who's looking for something mm -hmm. for their apartment. Um, so looking specifically, we can't go to Afghanistan, but we can support the Afghans who are coming here um, and other refugees from other countries as well. I like that you mentioned too, just when people are in our community who are different. Uh, I remember there was a time that my kids and I were all at uh, martial arts and there was a family there who the mom always wore a head covering. Uh, there were a couple moms and uh, one of my kids asked, you know, why is she wearing that on her head? And it was interesting because I felt like I had these two paths I could go down. Either I could go, and we were there, like we were right. sitting right there. Right. But it'd be like, I mean, that's like a real question. Like, why do you have a blanket on your head? You know, they, they don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I could go down a path of saying like, Shh, we're not going to talk about that right now. Mm -hmm. But I thought, no, this is visibly in front of us. And I want mm -hmm. to honor who she is as a person. So I said, oh, that's something that she chooses to wear on her head. And we can talk more about that in a little bit, but she's a, isn't she a nice mama? Look at how sweet her little boys are mm -hmm. and look at how she loves them. Just like I love you. And so connecting her to understand, like, this is another mom who is a nice person. And then mm -hmm. later I explained, she probably wears that as part of her religion. Some people choose to wear those and it's part of the religion that they follow as a way of showing honor in their faith. And and, and, um, and then my child asked, then do you think she doesn't know Jesus? And I said, she probably doesn't know Jesus the way that we, the way that we mm -hmm. follow Jesus. She probably does not. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, then we should pray for her mom. Mm -hmm. I said, you're right. We should pray for her. And so we did. And then, and then I said, and then we talked about too, though, afterwards, is it important? Do you think that we still be loving? And how do you think we can be a friend to their children and be kind? And it was so special because while the kids were in martial arts together, we had the whole waiting time that we all got to sit together. So I got to become friends with this dear woman and our kids played together. And my daughter got to see, yes, we love people right. who are different. And I said, right. you know, we don't need to say Jesus loves you and here's what you should be believing, but we will be loving and we will be kind. And that's setting an example for our children. And that is making a difference. That's something important that we can do. Absolutely. I mean, I think of, we've had times that we've had here in California that we've had Afghans to our homes um, for meals together. And that's just such a blessing to our, to our family. I mean, it's, I think mm -hmm. we go into sometimes thinking like, oh, this is a great chance for me to serve this other person. And it's like, no, I was blessed by the community and the fellowship and the food that you brought to me and interesting things that we get to learn. Um, and just the joy of being with someone who is different from you. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the benefit that that can be to our families. So I do, I think that we have a unique opportunity if you have any refugees in your area, but I've 
there's times that I think of a certain geographic region of the United States, even we have a lot of friends in Idaho, and I think Idaho is kind of the middle of the country. Do they have any refugees? No, there's a thriving Afghan population there. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think many people would, and if not from Afghanistan, maybe from somewhere else that you can welcome people. Yeah. Um, I do have a couple other just practical kind of resources if people want to look into them. Um, in terms of donations, the refugee agency that we support personally here in the US is World Relief. Um, they're Christian, they're really motivated by Christ and what they're doing, and they have offices all around the country. Um, and they right now are, I was just talking to someone the other day who works for them and she said they want to welcome more refugees in. They don't have the staffing available to process all of the applications and the finding them housing and all of those kinds of things that are going through. So um, our family this week, it's on my to-do list to, okay, we've supported them in the past, but to just set up a, even if it's small, just a monthly donation um, for like the next year or so, because sometimes when we have disasters like this, there's a lot of aid that comes in right at the very beginning. And then next week when some new disaster happens, you know, they kind of get left mm -hmm. behind. So just something regular like that. Um, also another refugee organization that is not Christian, I would even say I probably don't fully agree with everything that they um, that they have talked about, but I don't have to agree with what they're talking about. I'm not donating to them. I'm donating directly to Afghan families um, that they provide an opportunity to send cards directly to families and to order items from a target wish list that go straight. They get sent to the families. Um, mailboxes basically. And we've mm -hmm. done that a few times over the past year, um, sent water bottles to kids who are starting school. And, you know, it's interesting even just to look through these, it's like a baby registry almost to these families that are settling, um, have maybe just come with a suitcase to the United States and are just asking not for grand things, but like really basic needs that they have. And so that's a neat thing with kids, especially maybe to scroll through and go, oh, look at that nice lunchbox. No, we're not buying that lunchbox for us. We're gonna send it to this family in need. Um, and then the last thing is something I just saw yesterday and I like immediately bought it and it looks good so far. I haven't fully used it with my kids. But there's a person on Instagram, Thistles and Biscuits is her name on Instagram. And she puts together a lot of homeschool resources for families, but even non-homeschoolers could use this. Um, but it's a whole study of Afghanistan that she had put up several months ago. All it, I think it was $6 and all the proceeds are going to support an organization that we're familiar with in Afghanistan um, that works with trafficking victims there. Hmm. And 100% of the proceeds go towards that. Um, but it teaches Afghan culture. There are a couple recipes to follow. There was like uh, poetry is a big part in big thing in Afghan culture. And so there's like, have a poetry night and here are some of the poems yeah. you could use. Um, so I would just encourage families if they're looking with their kids for something that um, is not just focusing on some of the hardships going on, but just the joy of the culture and the food and music and stuff. Um, that would be a great resource. So maybe we can link those. Yeah, we'll link, we'll link all of that stuff in the show notes for sure. That's super helpful. That's great. Um, wonderful. Well, I can't thank you enough just for all of your uh, insight and giving us such a different, clear picture of the people there and what, and ways that we can be putting hands and feet to the work there and also just taking it before the Lord in a very real way. And, um, 
yeah, acting as the Holy Spirit leads. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. I want to end with just, I was, I dug up my old language school materials and found this proverb um, that's Afghan proverb. I'm not going to read it in Dari um, and subject (laughs) you to my horrible pronunciation. Um, But it seemed fitting that this is a proverb that's common in Afghanistan that says, a real friend is one who takes the hand of his friend in times of distress and helplessness. I'm just thinking of how we can take the hand Mm. of our Afghan friends, whether that's physically interacting with them or just lifting them up in prayer. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I have such a clearer picture now of what Afghanistan was like and some specific direction of what I can do from here where God has put me and my family. We need to pray. And you can join me this week in praying. I'll be on Instagram live every morning at 7.15 Pacific Standard Time, praying with moms over the various people who are greatly impacted by the horrific events that are going on in Afghanistan. I would love to have you join me there every day. Just join me on Instagram for the prayer time every morning this week at 7.15 Pacific Standard Time. This is an active way that we can be involved. It makes a difference. We are taking our prayers before the throne of the King of Kings, and they do not fall short. We also can give. A few different recommendations were made of places that we can give to, and I will link those in the show notes below, but I would also encourage you to contact your local church and find out what they're doing to actively support the people in need in Afghanistan right now. And if they're not doing anything, then your call or your email might be a way to encourage them to get actively involved. A third area I would have you consider is the importance of your vote. As believers, we should be considering, first and foremost, the faith of the elected officials that we are electing into office, as their worldview is going to shape the policies that they make and the way that they lead our country. Once we've done all of these things, we have to be present in our homes. God has put you there as the mom, and we must stay focused on the task before us. Psalm 127 verse 4 says that our children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Mama, raise them with care, training, and focus that a warrior would put toward his arrows. Someday you will release them and they will be sent out to do mighty works in Jesus' name. And that is the work before you right now. May you do it well this week. As you're talking with your children about all of these current issues, Remember that a resource for materials about Afghanistan was mentioned in the conversation, and you can find that at thistlesandbiscuits.com, and I will link that also in the show notes below for you. I'm also going to link a few other resources that I've been using that are places that I go to for reliable information on the current events that are taking place. I've read some excellent articles from the Family Research Council and watched an really good YouTube video with my son from the Daily Wire about the history of Afghanistan and America's political and military involvement leading up to the present. So I can link those both for you too. Thanks again so much to my dear friend for joining us and giving us a glimpse across the world to the people and country that she was so privileged to serve. And thank you so much for joining me here too. I hope to see you at our prayer time this week. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. 
I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week for a conversation about being rooted in love.